0: Hello, and welcome to a free preview of Greatest of All Talk. Tom says, I just want to get in before Andrew tries to say something like, I only questioned Steph's clutch shooting so I could jinx him into proving me wrong. No, if you're going to question Steph, then say it with your chest and don't preface it by saying, I'm as big a Steph guy as anyone, but Steph is clutch, and Steph has always been clutch, and it's only at Bron Muse 23 or whatever, cherry-picking stats, who will say otherwise. Steph is leading the league this year in clutch scoring with its 72% true shooting percentage. So if you're going to be a Steph isn't clutch guy, then say it now and say it with your chest so we know which side you're on. So Ben this was one of a dozen emails we got in the wake of Warriors Celtics earlier this week, many of which came right as the buzzer sounded after the warriors got the win in mm-hmm. overtime. And I have two responses. First of all, that was obviously the funniest possible sequence to end the year with. As I questioned Steph's clutch shooting on the last show. And then he was just, ruthless as he disemboweled the Celtics on national TV roughly 24 hours later after I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I trust him shooting with the game on the line. Uh, not only did he hit a massive shot to send the game to overtime, he then buried the Celtics in overtime. Did you have any thoughts on that particular performance?
1: Well, I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse. You said it doesn't. I mean, that might have been underselling it. I was just getting (laughs) hit left and right on the Instagram direct messages. You really stirred up a hornet's nest. For me, it was kind of a self-inflicted deal by you. Sometimes I come on here and I'm just trying to set the table with some nice casual Steph Curry praise, nice casual Kevin Durant praise. That's what happened on the last episode. And then you just came to the picnic and just turned the table upside down. You spilled all yep. the food everywhere. And you had to come out with this take like Steph isn't clutch. You know, it's how do you square these two propositions? I think first of all, You know, it's a very sensitive subject that there wasn't that one signature shot in the 2015 title run, that he missed the signature shot in the 2016 finals, that KD hit the signature shot in the 2017 and 2018 finals, and then Steph, as you pointed out, missed that signature shot in the 2019 finals, so... I think that a lot of the energy coming your way is because they can't go back in time and change those specific feats. But Mm -hmm. their larger point is perhaps a player shouldn't be judged by maybe five moments of five title runs right, or or potential title runs. And that there are opportunities to be clutch along the way and and clutchness can be uh, displayed in other manners rather than just the final shot on the final game of the season. Yeah, this is a debate actually that's been, I remember it taking form and, you know, with Kobe Bryant 15, 20 years ago, Kemba Walker was a real lightning rod because he made that NCAA shot. So he was like cardiac Kemba, you know, super clutch. He gets to Charlotte and he shoots like 20% in the clutch, but nobody wants to hear that he's not a clutch performer. So. I think there's a lot of different ways to define what clutch means. What's the most accurate representation of it. It's very easy to, to focus on a super small sample size and label a player with that. Maybe that was the flaw in this situation. I'll be honest. I kind of felt like you got what you deserved just because Mm. you weren't going with the flow of my praise for Steph Curry (laughs) in that moment. Uh, And I do think that Steph is a pretty reliable guy in most late game situations. However, I don't think you're completely wrong because you framed it as I don't feel like it's always going to go in when Steph takes the shot and that beautiful high shot that he hit against Boston with that ex- oh extraordinary God. pass by Chris Paul. Chris Paul didn't get enough credit in that situation. I think Chris needed to get a lot more credit for the finding Steph, hitting him with the great pass. Of course, the shot was magical by Steph Curry, as uh, Steve Kerr said, but um, When he lofts up a shot that goes 40 feet in the air, that's contested in that late game situation, I guess I wasn't surprised that it went in. But I know what you're saying, that like when it leaves his hand, it's not just like, oh my God, here's an automatic haymaker. I think that was the gist of your take. Am I right?
0: Well, I don't even know that it was a take. There were a lot of valid points coming back from the Warriors fans. But I mean, here's my issue at the end of the day. We've been doing this podcast a long time. When we discuss the LeBron Jordan debate, even when we're clearly joking, even when we're half serious, this happened a couple weeks ago. You talked about the fan with the sign saying LeBron has one in season tournament, Jordan has zero in season tournament. Obviously a joke. I respond with what's obviously a joke. I say, I wasn't well, kidding.
1: Well, i'm dead serious <laughs> well, <laughs> when it comes to mike and lebron on but you can speak for yourself you can wiggle out of it if you want that's fine. Well,
0: yeah no we're, ju- we're just all having fun with it i mean if you're sincerely engaging in lebron mj after the last 10 years like i don't know find something better to do with your time but whenever it comes up on the show we always get hit with a handful of elaborate and hysterical responses from lebron fans like can you confirm that would you say that's accurate
1: Yeah, and it just gets sadder and sadder with each round, but it's fine. Yes, we 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 hear from the diehards, and I like people who stand there, guys. Obviously, that's a big part of what I'm trying to do on behalf of Mike's legacy, so the next generations don't forget. The LeBron fans are, you know, they clock in and clock out. They're working more than nine to fives. I can confirm that. But I think the Steph truthers. I think it's 24-7, 365 for them, and they've got you in the crosshairs, and they don't want to hear from you that you were just joking here. You're going to have to have a better explanation than just joking.
0: I think. Well, so what I would say is that if I were going to be uncharitable to the LeBron community, the reason the Jordan over LeBron jokes really send them over the edge, and they're not jokes, to be clear. I mean, we're 100% serious about all of it. But deep down, the LeBron community knows that everything we're saying is true. And that's what drives them insane. And I'm not a psychiatrist, but maybe deep down, all the Warriors fans who flooded our inbox over the last 48 hours, citing true shooting percentage and all these arcane fourth quarter Steph stats, the reason we got all those passionate responses is that deep down, they know if there was one possession and their life depended on someone making a contested oh, jump shot to win the game in a half-court setting, they would trust Clay Thompson taking that shot more than they would trust Steph Curry. Oh,
1: now, I thought you were going to say Iguodala like Max Kellerman, and we were going to have a <laughs> no. real problem on our hands.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not a fraud like Kellerman. Uh, but I think, honestly, in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe I trust Claymore. Look, the, the issue is, it's a possibility, and I, I'm not saying any of this with my chest, to be be fair to Tom. I'm just sharing Uh, honestly (laughs) about the questions I have when I watch our league, the mysteries of basketball. Not everything has to be a take. Some of it's just a journey to discovery. That's what was happening on the last podcast. Ben did like five minutes on Steph and his consecutive game streak and I figured, I don't know, maybe let's mix it up a little bit and throw that in there. Did I end up getting dunked on by Steph Curry within 24 hours? Of throwing that out there. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) But I think the response from the Steph community, and this isn't about Tom, there were some other people. Misha emailed us like six times about this. They were acting like Braun fans. And I want better from the Steph community. Steph, the Steph better community needs to hashtag be better. So that's the only request on the way out of this week's ordeal. I'm confident enough in Steph's greatness and the security of his legacy. That I'm not going to lash out and act like a LeBron fan and start citing all these random stats if somebody has a question about, you know, his ability in the final minutes or whatever, because he's fine regardless. He's a top 10 player regardless, certified, and I hope that Steph fans can emulate that behavior and that confidence moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I'm them listening to you, I'm just so annoyed by this. You're just throwing all the stats out the window. You're trying to compare me to LeBron fans, which are their mortal enemies, and I'm I'm livid if I'm a Steph fan listening to that take. I'm going to try to serve as your attorney here. I'm going to try to make a settlement that can have all parties leaving with at least shaking hands and some acknowledgement of each other. I think what really bothered you, if you had just made the take, Steph, instead of Steph isn't clutch, if the take was, I wish Steph had a signature clutch moment in the finals with like that one shot that just sort of lingers in everybody's minds forever. I think that they probably would agree with you. I would have agreed with you because everybody wants to see players have that kind of moment. I mean, the last shot from MJ, right? We go to it every single time. uh the Ray Allen shot for the Miami Heat, you know, the block for LeBron James you could throw in there, those those kinds of moments that you feel like are gonna live forever. And in some of Steph's best moments, like the Warriors were so good, he never even had the opportunity to do that because the games were over down the stretch of of like twenty-two or or fifteen, right? So uh, or, or 16 and or 17 as well where they're just kind of blowing Cleveland off the the court so there it's just that piece of Steph's legacy is missing and I think it was inaccurate to spin that and say he's not clutch now at the same time against Boston I mean he's tripping all over the court almost turns the ball over before he hits that three he throws up that wild running layup so your point on is this the most trustworthy person ever uh you know doesn't necessarily feel trustworthy but I think sometimes the, the clutch stats are important to look at and to zoom out a little bit. And I think that he holds up well in those situations for the body of his work. I would trust him in general, close game, five minutes left. He has scared an awful lot of fan bases. I'll tell you this. He has haunted the Celtics fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is the grim reaper <laughs> for the Boston fans. That's a really good team that he took down uh, in that game. So Uh, I think he deserves the label clutch player or, you know, reliable in the clutch, which is what his fans were so passionately arguing for. And I think also I'm with you on the idea that Man, if there was that one signature clutch moment in a massive finals game, it would be so much more fulfilling as a viewer and it would also maybe go a long way and maybe an outsized way to making you feel better about his overall body of work. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. And my my final three thoughts here are, number one, I considered declaring the end of Celtics Warriors a fraud-off between the Celtics, who are completely useless in the clutch, and Steph Curry, who has his own set of clutch questions. Uh, I decided not to go that direction because it's, <laughs> it's it's not that he's not a clutch player. It's just that there's an irrational question I have, knowing that he's the greatest shooter of all time, If he's the one taking the shot with a game on the line, for whatever reason, I'm not as confident as I feel like I should be. And maybe that's not borne out by the numbers. Uh, I'm sure you could cherry pick different numbers to make the case differently. But in any event, um, the other thought that I had is sincerely, height matters in basketball. And that's one of the reasons that Steph, at the very end of games, isn't necessarily as trustworthy as like a Michael Jordan or a Kevin Durant or whatever, because getting a clean look at the rim is difficult. Um, but Steph is phenomenal. And so I don't want to indulge the topic too much. Uh, I just had to have some fun at the Warriors fans expense. And they had fun at mine Warriors over fans. the last couple Steph, of days. Guys, I tried. I tried. I tried standing
1: up for you guys. He's not backing down. You know, you can't always get through to the grease pig. He's a tricky one. Um, don't let this ruin your next month. And for the love of God, we got the message with the emails. <laughs> Let's not have a second round,
0: okay? <laughs> it was delightful. Um, all right. Well, that's a good way to kick off the festive atmosphere here. Uh, what we're gonna be doing today is mostly just reading emails from people. But I did want to power rank the Christmas games before we get into the rest of the mailbag. Uh Bucks Knicks 12 Eastern, Warriors Nuggets 2:30 Eastern, Celtics Lakers 5 o'clock Eastern, 76ers Heat, Mavs Suns. Uh, one to five. How do you rank those games? Well,
1: maybe I'm biased because I'm going to Celtics-Lakers, but I'm really juiced up for Celtics-Lakers. That would be my number one. They haven't played on Christmas in 15 years. I think the Celtics are going to be facing this extra scrutiny because of what happened in that Golden State game. Their response against Sacramento to me was really impressive. I know the Kings aren't the most stout defensive team, but to go into their building, put up 140 plus after you're taking all this heat for a bad end game, which you've been hearing over and over again, and which can kind of seep into your, uh, your mind and kind of get you down on yourself I thought it was a really impressive response by Boston and they have the opportunity to send a message against a Lakers team that's kind of wounded and licking its uh, licking its wounds after that in-season tournament title they just haven't been playing very well the offense is not functioning very well they're searching for sides of uh, you know supporting uh, contributions on the offensive end outside the the kind of big three guys. And there's trade rumors swirling around the Lakers as well. So you add all that up, I think the Celtics have a lot to prove. They can make a statement. The Lakers, I think they want to save some face, protect their, their hope court. I'm sure there's going to be a huge, huge contingent of celebrities and an awesome crowd on Christmas in L.A., plus we just had the the Lakers Knicks game and it was just like you know A-listers in every direction it was an awesome uh, environment there so i think christmas will be even better so you add all that up i think that's the premier matchup i think the nba got it right by making that the centerpiece for me um you know the the rest of the schedule they played it really safe it felt like the nba was like well we're going to, you know, kind of go wild with the party in the back with the in season tournament. And we're going to have a real close, you know, crew cut up front because they didn't take any chances on like the Tibberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously they're not going to put the Orlando Magic in, but they didn't go with Wembenyama just to kind of give him a chance. They just played it really safe with all these other picks. So I'm not super duper excited about any of these other matchups. I guess I would probably go Warriors Nuggets too just because Steph and Jokic are so entertaining i would then go Mavs Suns 3 because of the bad blood angle because the hmm. Suns are really reeling and Luka loves to torture the Suns so it's an opportunity for him to kick a team while it's down i would then go Buck, Bucks Knicks 4 because Lillard is really coming on Brunson's playing well uh Giannis uh, you know putting up huge numbers uh, and so i think that i'd probably put that fourth And then 76ers Heat, to me, it's fifth, but I'm actually not trying to shade them. I think it's an interesting matchup, especially now that Bam is back. I just think there's an opportunity for it to turn into a free throw slog with Embiid. The Heat have won like eight straight games on Christmas. So there's a chance that they just make it really ugly, beat Philadelphia. It's kind of a forgettable game. So that's my order. What about you? Any changes?
0: So I think that's a pretty good breakdown. Um, I think. For me personally, Warriors Nuggets is the game that I'm looking forward to most. But if I'm power ranking on entertainment value, Celtics Lakers, they always seem to play close games, number one. And then number two, I'll have more family members who are like excited to sit and watch oh, some yeah. of Celtics Lakers because of the jerseys and because LeBron's there.
1: It's the casual Super Bowl, right? Not to mention LeBron was crying for the fouls in the game last year. Remember that, where he was on the ground on his knees pounding the hardwood? (laughs) I didn't get the call! We have to go to overtime! I'm just telling you guys, MJ never did anything like that, okay? Sorry, obligatory mention, but I think this is the first time (laughs) they've played since that game, right?
0: Yeah, and I watched that with Alice, and we had a lot of fun on a Saturday night. That was a Saturday night ABC game, and she was like, what the hell is happening? Are you serious? And so hopefully we can get a repeat performance from LeBron and the Lakers in that one uh, on Monday, but either way um, it's just fun when people who aren't that invested in basketball sit down and watch some of these games. So Celtics Lakers has the advantage as far as casual appeal. That's number one on my list. Warriors nuggets number two, just because those two teams tend to play really entertaining games.
1: Can I ask you, are you worried at all about a Denver blowout like Denver's at home um, they kind of and they've been playing like pretty close to 500 ball for like five or six weeks is and they don't you know Draymond's not going to be out there to guard Jokic so I mean I love Trace Jackson Davis what he's been doing recently that is a tough assignment you know Looney obviously can give you some time against Jokic is any part of you concerned that we go into that game think it's going to be like the two most entertaining players the two most entertaining offenses and then it's like 140 to 105 like are you at all worried about that because Denver's been so good at home this year. Mm. That's just nagging in the back of my mind, you know?
0: So I wasn't concerned until you raised that possibility. Oh, <laughs> now, geez. I, ru- it I seems ruined like the holiday. Destiny. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the 2.30 window is such a great time because it's like the early afternoon you spent all morning with your family you want to just go chill on your own and so that's generally my favorite window of our christmas day slate uh but yeah now that you say that out loud and i'm i'm remembering that the warriors are running with pods and kaminga half the time these days um it could get dicey for them on the road in denver but i don't know I'll, i'll look forward to watching the nuggets and having fun with that one uh 76ers heat is third on my list Bucks knicks is fourth. The Knicks, I feel bad. I love Knicks fans, and I wish their team were more interesting. But top to bottom, it's just the most generic basketball team you can possibly imagine. I'm so tired of them playing on Christmas Day. And again, I I feel guilty about all of this. I wish we talked about the Knicks more on the GOAT, but I just don't really have anything to say. It's like R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, you know... Isaiah Hartenstein, like, I, I'm good. I, those guys are all professional basketball players. I don't have any, like, deep thoughts on the Knicks, and I don't have any interest in watching them on Christmas Day. Watching, this is going to be, well, like, one of five Bucks Knicks games during the regular season here.
1: I know. We just saw it in the in the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament, and it was a massive Bucks win. So if we get that again, it's going to be a real letdown. Let me just do something I'm not sure I've ever done on this show, probably in five years, and say a few nice things about the Knicks because they came to L.A. Please do. Quickly is a problem, bro. He is mm. really, really, really good. And I, how long could he be a bench guy? I don't understand how Tibbs has got this balance to work where he comes in seems bought into the role and is very productive he had a great game against the lakers so maybe i'm judging him a little bit on his best day but he was excellent all of last season i think he's really solid this year that guy has to be playing a lot more in a bigger role and he deserves a lot of money and so i'm interested to see how that plays out for them because uh you know like if you just told me quickly or barrett's like get barrett out of here okay i just want to watch quickly he's so i just i think he's a better player Brunson was phenomenal against uh, the Lakers they were really struggling to keep him away from his spots which was interesting because their perimeter defense did so well against Halliburton but for whatever reason just the craft of Jalen Brunson and how much he loves getting to those mid-range jumpers really threw the Lakers off um, and maybe it was an energy thing for them as well they just could not stop him so I had a really fun time watching those two guards go to work in LA and uh, you know the the rest of the team, you know, take it or leave it. Randall, whatever, R.J. Barrett, whatever. Hardenstein is going to get dunked through the rim like five times by Giannis. You could just guarantee that on Christmas. <laughs> He's going to have a a really rough holiday. But, uh, you know, quickly and, and Brunson, to me, it's worth tuning in for. But the question I wanted to ask you, make the case for Philly-Miami as the number three game. Uh, is it the Jimmy Butler versus Embiid factor, is it just, hey, Miami gets an opportunity to be on the stage and, you know, they sometimes get overlooked. Um, You know, w- what has got you excited for that game? Is it, M- you know, MVP Embiid getting a mm-hmm. chance to, uh, you know, make another statement? I saw, you know, the straw poll that ESPN put out today. Embiid is somehow number one. Again, they're predicting a wow. back-to-back MVP for this guy. I mean, get out of town. So what is it, Philly versus Miami, that's got you putting that game above the others?
0: Well, so first of all, It's more about Bucks, Knicks, and Mavs' sons than it is about 76ers' heat. I I haven't seen much of the Sixers over the last month. Every time I turn on the heat, I have fun. I've loved watching Jaime Jaquez. I've loved watching Duncan Robinson has been resurrected a little bit with the games they played without Hero. Hero's now back. Jimmy Butler, first-team all-Y guy. I would also say Jalen Brunson is probably first-team all-Y guy, just for the record. Uh, But I want to see more of the Sixers and I always have fun watching the Heat and I think that'll be a close game the Heat are a team that a lot of people including me sort of wrote off on the way into the season and here they are again just like toughest nails and they're among the contenders in the East I, I, I had sort of moved them down a tier after they didn't get Dame but um, they don't seem to have skipped a beat since where they were last year uh, and really it's like well, Sons. real quick on that point uh, the streets are talking
1: The streets are saying the Eastern Conference is whack again and the Eastern Conference (laughs) is weak. And they're saying the Miami Heat are looking better relative to expectations because the Eastern Conference is worse than expectations. And I had an executive last week, unprompted, and I don't even think he knew how much of a Western Conference elitist I am. But mm. he, he was making the case of like, look, man, this isn't any given night league in the Western Conference. Like, you can lose to anybody. Like, there's just no wins out there. And I was like, yeah, it feels like that across the league. He's like, oh, no, not in the East. There's so many wins in the <laughs> East. He's like listing off the teams. And he kept going and going. You know, I figured he was going to say Detroit and Charlotte, but then it was Chicago. And he was just listing yeah. more and more and more. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe he's right. Maybe there are a lot of easy wins in the East. That's why I'm, I really want to watch Philly versus Mike. Miami though because Philly gets a signature win over Minnesota this week you know solid win and Bead's best player on the court you know good job for them right um They have had a lot of cupcake games. I mean, they've just been smacking teams. They have the best point differential in the league because they've been playing a lot of just cake games. That's
0: why I haven't been watching them. I'm like not trying to watch Sixers Pistons or Sixers Bulls or whoever it may be. I mean, like Embiid is building his MVP case. They beat the Wizards by like 40 the other night. Embiid's not playing any fourth quarters this season. (laughs) So it's like I'd like to see them against a real team. Yeah, and I think
1: Miami is kind of a house of horrors for them, right? Like, that's a tough team. It's a smart team. It's a more tested, proven playoff team. They've gotten beat there in the playoffs recently. I think two years ago, they got eliminated by the Heat. Obviously, some new faces there, but that would be a signature win. You go into Miami, you beat Miami on Christmas. Uh, You know, you get some bragging rights. You, you definitely get people looking at you a little bit different. So I think that's what I'm excited about with that game. But just personally, I'll take all the West games over these East games, man. Like I just, I'll take all three West games in terms of sheer entertainment value. And I think that maybe you're downgrading this Mavericks versus Suns game because you're worried about your Suns. You're worried about your guy, Book, maybe getting punked by Luka again, man. I mean, that's going to be in crazy class of shot making between Katie, Book, Kyrie, you know, assuming that he's healthy and Luca all on the court at the same time, that's going to be a fun nightcap with tons of bad blood. But it seems to me like you're worried. And eh, I don't really want to watch this. I don't want to stay up and have the whole holiday ruined because Book falls on his face. I mean, they take a bad uh, loss uh, this week against the yep. Portland Trailblazers. They can't stop anybody defensively. The offense has not been nearly good enough. Bradley Beal, you won't believe it, is out for multiple (laughs) weeks again with a new injury after playing like five minutes coming back from the last injury. Um, I don't want to say the Suns are in crisis, but they're spiraling, right? So is that why you've got them so low here? Or there's some other explanation that uh, I should have considered?
0: Well, the Suns certainly are spiraling. And Beal, who knows whether we're ever actually going to see him play like Two games in a row this season. Um, Maybe it'll happen. Maybe we'll have to wait till 2025, 2026. Uh, The Booker situation is. You guys won that trade.
1: You guys won that trade though. The Wizards, man. That's the one thing you never want to, you know, acknowledge it. You guys won that trade so well. This guy's making, he's the worst return on investment in the league this year because of the injury issues and the size of his salary. And thank God it's somebody else's problem. And you have, you know, the fun young duo of Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma to rally around.
0: <laughs> well, appraising that trade is difficult because. If you look at it like they traded for Chris Paul, who they then knew they had to trade and should have known when they acquired Chris Paul that the market didn't exist for Chris Paul, so they had to trade Chris Paul for a player that someone else was trying to get rid of, Jordan Poole. Like I look at Poole as being part of the Beal trade, and if you're asking, would you rather just have Beal sitting at home pouting after the Wizards didn't trade him or have Jordan Poole for the next four years. I would rather have Beal and no deal whatsoever <laughs> oh, what? than Jordan oh, Poole for God. the next four years. So it, that, that's a separate issue, unrelated to the Phoenix Suns, but that's where my head has been the last couple of weeks. Um and as far as the christmas game if kai replays then suns mavs becomes number 3 i i wasn't aware that there was a chance he would play i watched the mavs last night and it was fun they they put the they put a little scare into the clippers uh but at a certain point it's like a lot of Derrick Jones Jr. right now, a lot of Grant Williams, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luca doing the same old do everything Luca routine. Um, but that just doesn't appeal to me very much. But if you bring Kyrie into the mix, then there's a lot of star power on the floor. There's weirdness between Kyrie and KD and you know I, I will get into it but um, I'm not staying up to watch Luca and Derek Jones Jr. if if there's no Kyrie.
1: That's totally fair. And it's not clear one way or the other. I don't think at this point when we're taping this, whether Kyrie will play. He's been out for a while with this foot or this heel injury. You know, he was in a boot for a little bit, which is always a bad sign. And I think he only suffered the injury like a week ago. So, um, you know, you might wind up being right on this one, you know, and it could wind up. At the same time, Luca's not going to go down easy. You know that Phoenix the Suns team could f- still s- blow
0: it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> don't get me easily. wrong. <laughs> easily,
1: yeah, I mean they can't stop anybody. And Luca just has been on a great groove here recently, and he just loves torturing those guys. He hates those guys, and so I think that, I mean, even if it's just winds up being a duel between Book and Luca, that winds up being a good game. But it will feel like something major is missing if Kyrie's just watching from the sideline. So we have to get like hug watch with Kyrie and street clothes. That will be a bummer for sure.
0: Yes, well, on that note, let's dive into the emails. You mentioned that the Wolves were not included in the Christmas slate. Unfortunately, that's true. Wolves Thunder would have been amazing as a matinee to start the day, Uh, but one day the NBA will stop scheduling the Knicks at 12 Eastern. Um, Speaking of the Wolves, though, we got this note from Mike. He says, Hey, guys, I heard you slagging off cat on the last show, and I'm not looking to get on the air with this one because your cat conversations have been really bad for a long time. And of the NBA podcasts I listen to, you guys bring up the rear in terms of admitting you were wrong. If you do, it takes years. But just know you've been wrong. I've been right. And while I don't need an apology, just know that I'm out here, fully aware of how good I look and how how ridiculous Cat is currently making you look.
1: At least other
0: pods point out he's been great, a massive part of the team, tied for the best record in the NBA, winning even without Ant, or when he goes 3 of 19 or whatever in Dallas. But no... You've seen some cat memes, and those memes are very concerning to you, and therefore you can't fathom that he's really effing good. Sure, last night he had 40, 12, and 4 with three steals, two blocks, and hyper-efficient shooting. But what those numbers don't capture is that he's had some quotes that people think are lame. You can't fully understand a player's game unless you take into account his podcast appearances and how people felt about them. You guys fill that need, and that's why I listen. So, Ben, this is the tone that I think you were referring to at the top of the show in terms of feistiness. And I just want to say I really appreciate the holiday spirit from Mike here, okay? I have responses, but I almost don't want to complicate the bile that he's thrown at us uh by trying to respond and i, I want to let the beauty of his spite stand on its own what do you think
1: yeah i'm definitely not gonna do that i'm gonna meet bile <laughs> with bile
0: uh, i'm gonna What do we say slag it off Shall we slag off mike um i don't remember look, slagging the- off cat just for the record i i don't remember mentioning cat for the last two months but whatever
1: I mean, people will start a sentence off respectfully. I I will start my sentence off disrespectfully, Mike. (laughs) Um, Your email made me think that Kat wrote it. That's how bad it was. I was sitting here reading each word thinking like only Kat or somebody who has been completely brainwashed would take this kind of a take. Uh, Very, very strange from you. You got to take a step back, man. We do give people credit when they accomplish things in the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns is in his ninth season. He's won a total of four career playoff games. Obviously, he's never advanced in the playoffs, but we're never going to have to have a reckoning on Carl Anthony Towns' greatness until he's in a moment with real stakes. The only time that we've been wrong on this show about Carl Anthony Towns is when we actually you know, gave some thought about is Cat better than Anthony Davis in like 2016, right? Mm -hmm. Since then, we've been waiting for Carl Anthony Towns to do absolutely anything that matters in the NBA besides unfairly declare himself as the best big man shooter ever, not have a defensive (laughs) position, and play on teams that are barely 500. Now that he's getting bailed out by players who are much better than him, his teammates, you don't get to turn back around and say, oh yeah, now we've got to elevate and apologize to Carl anthony Towns. We could absolutely say Carl anthony Towns has bought in after a very slow start into a reduced role where he's no longer as important, and they're on a very talented, big athletic team that's off to a great start and having a good time. But just because he's not ruining that does not mean that we have to apologize to this man. We've been waiting nine years for a former number one pick who I first saw play when he was like 15 or 16 years old on his national team playing against the United States. A guy who came into the NBA with unbelievable levels of hype and has just not fulfilled them in any meaningful way to this point. I can't wait for that to change in April, May and June. But I'll tell you this, on the list of guys I trust in those spots, on the Timberwolves, he probably ranks fifth or sixth uh, in terms of who's actually going to show up in a big moment and play well. Look at his track record recently in the playoffs, playoffs, in the play-in tournament, the foul trouble, the whining. These are not memes on the internet. These are the biggest moments of his career where he's consistently fallen short. So it's not personal towards Carl Anthony Towns. We hold him to the same standard that we hold all other great players. And this is an absolutely ludicrous email. you got to take a step back from the computer, bro. Put it down, touch grass, and come back and apologize to us. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there you go apologize to us happy holidays to mike i appreciate the passion uh and look cat's been playing really well the past couple of weeks and the partnership between he and anthony edwards seems to be in the healthiest place it's been over the last couple of years like they, they've settled into a nice dynamic where ant is the clear alpha dog and cat is sort of the veteran and i'm rooting for all of it to work but um yes i'm not going to go back through the last five years and pick out various incidents and uh, games where cat has come up small uh to make the point that most of what happens on this show when we talk about cat is we're just talking about facts in terms of disappointments and frustrating weird behavior from him uh no, but it, i hope his email was just his email made it seem like Carl Anthony
1: Towns' career started on like Thanksgiving. You know what right. I mean? That's what that's what <laughs> like bothers me so Wednesday. much about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like we all have to take mind erasers for the last ten years of what's happened with Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, just give him all this due based on you know four weeks of play. Look, it's it's good to see. I said it earlier this year. He had a real choice. He could buy into the reduced role, buy into the idea that it was Ant's team, buy into the idea that he wasn't going to get as many shots and touches as he got throughout earlier in his career. Uh, or, you know, he could pout and he could you know, let, let his negative body language, the foul trouble stuff, the weird fit issues up front. That could get to him and and kind of poison their group. And he has absolutely avoided doing that. He deserves real credit. It's kind of ironic. It's almost an Andrew Wiggins type deal when Wiggins went to the Warriors and was Mm. like, I'm, you know, I'm the number one pick, but I no longer have to act like that. Like I have guys who are more talented than me and who are more important to winning than me. So I'm just going to find ways to contribute. That is not easy for super hyped, relatively young guys to uh, make that mental transition. And both those guys did it for their respective teams. So. Full credit to Kat for doing that, right? But uh like he's not gonna be an all-star this year, right? Again, a former number one pick. He's not gonna be in that conversation. Um, we'll see about Minnesota. Like people are riding them real hard right now. People are real, real excited about the Minnesota Timberwolves and rightfully so. They've been off to a strong start, you know, arguably playing better, you know, to this point than anybody in the league, except for maybe the Celtics, right? And they've got a number of quality wins under their belt. But they have a whole lot of people that bring playoff questions to the table. Uh, all their key guys, you know, face questions, including Anthony Edwards, and their offense is mediocre at best as a team. So, you know, those kinds of things are going to linger over them. Um, and I, I think that, uh, if he's waiting for us to have some giant revelation about the greatness of Carl Anthony brother, again, that's not coming until he's holding up Larry OB. Okay. Like he has that much to prove based on the last nine years.
0: Well, and listen, if they make the finals, I promise we're going to bring back this note from Mike and read it on the way into the finals. And that will be what's at stake as the Wolves play in the finals. So will Mike be getting a full throated apology from a cat? Hey. hater like me <laughs> and,
1: oh, hold on but what but maybe but also they could win the title and cast the third option like we didn't have to bend over backwards and say sorry wiggins <laughs> was great all along when the Golden state warriors won no. it 20- 22 did we
0: It's just the generous thing to do. It's the holiday season here. I'll I'll promise that if they make the finals, yeah, absolutely. And if they win the title, uh, I'm willing to make that gesture, whether it's warranted or not. And hey, nice revenge for Cat getting the win over Jimmy Butler earlier this week. That must have felt good. So lot of things for wolves fans to feel good about and it's nice that they're in such a positive headspace <laughs> after the last couple of months uh well a the
1: real revenge was jimmy Butler making the finals twice since he left the timberwolves and never looking back or thinking about them while they stay you know completely focused on him for the last four years so i don't know if revenge <laughs> is the word i would use in that scenario between those two parties but continue i'm sorry
0: okay Anoop says all right, and that is the end of the free preview. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode and get two episodes every week from me, Andrew Sharp, and Ben Golliver, you can go to greatestofalltalk.com and subscribe to the show.